What if I told you that your life could be completely transformed through meditation? Welcome to Meditate on This, an inspiring podcast where I share true life stories of people whose lives have been completely transformed through meditation. I am your host, Angela Accomando, and I can't wait to go on this journey with you. Thank you for tuning in to meditate on this podcast. I recorded my interview with Rachel, the woman you're about to hear in this interview, several weeks ago before our worlds were turned upside down drastically. And I decided to release this interview with Rachel at this exact moment because her wisdom and insight is something we need right now. Her words are something that have the potential to drastically bring you to a place of peace and make you think deeply about the time we're in right now. The teachings that she shares in this episode are teachings that have gotten me through my own crisis in life, and they're what continue to get me through day by day, what we're going through collectively here on the planet. I hope you enjoy this episode. I hope you allow yourself to go deep and think about some of the things that Rachel shares with us. Stay safe. I'm sending you lots of love and light. May all beings be safe. May all beings be healthy. May all beings feel at peace right now in this moment. I want to thank you for joining me today on Meditate on this podcast. I have Rachel. So thank you so much, Rachel, for joining me. Thanks for having me, Angela. It's a pleasure. I always start out by asking people what they do for a living. So can you share with us what you do? Yeah. It, it's funny because I almost don't believe what I do. <laughs> About a year ago, I was offered a job at the center I was studying Buddhism at, Three Jewels. And so I've been executive directing, co-executive directing Three Jewels Enlightenment Studio for the past year. Um, we're based in New York on Bowery and Third Street. And my job basically entails running a space where people come to get a spiritual download, to start interacting with the practices of meditation and yoga, and to find a community where they can start to open their minds and uh, feel supported by the people around them who are doing the same thing. Yeah, that's such a great way to put it. I mean, I know. And that's where we met. Yes, that's where we met. And I first one that Three Jewels did. What brought you to meditation? Yeah, it's funny. I was wondering if if I had told you the story before. So it's it's kind of a funny story what brought me to meditation. So first off, um, a little bit more typical story is that I was a yogi. I was practicing yoga like every day at Yoga to the People on St. Mark's, which I'm sure you know. Uh, yes, I don't know. But that's where um, you started doing yoga. That started, yeah. My friend in college brought me and I started having a lot of benefits from the practice. Mm -hmm. And I became sort of addicted to it. And I wanted to go deeper. And so I started reading all of these yogic texts and reading about sadhana and, and all these high yogis, what they did was so inspiring to me. Um, these images of transcendence and um, no more suffering, they started opening this window to my mind. 
specifically be here now, which I'm sure that text and he wrote a little bit about meditation in the text. So I tried the candle gazing. I tried some different things on my own, but I really didn't start truly understanding meditation or practicing it in a way that significantly changed my life until 2013 when I met Hector, Hector mm-hmm. Marcel, who's the president of Three Jewels now. And it, it's a funny story because it, there was no teaching that I met him at. It, I didn't even meet him at Three Jewels. Mm. I met him um, at this time in my life where I was just peeking into these practices and I started Googling, how do you find a guru? Like, how do you find a spiritual teacher? How do you find a guru? And if you've ever Googled that, it's a really funny thing to Google. Uh, (laughs) I'll have to try. (laughs) Yeah, there's, there's a lot of interesting results on the internet. Um, But it was around that time, I remember searching it on my laptop and then leaving my apartment. I was living in Bushwick, where I still live, and walking to my favorite coffee shop, Little Skips. Mm -hmm. And I walked inside Little Skips, and there were these two guys standing online for coffee. And this is a very popular coffee shop Mm -hmm. in Bushwick. So the line was like 17 or 18 people. Like, it was a long line. And there are these two guys standing online and they were like, hey, you just walked in, but you can cut us, like take our place online, order your coffee, get whatever you want. And I didn't know them. I had never seen them before or I had never spoken to them before. Um, And I said, no, no, sorry. I was trying to be a really good yogi. Like I was trying to keep my Mm. morality and I stood at the end of line. But after I got my coffee, they invited me to sit with them. And we started talking and they said, who are you? What are you about? And I said, well, I studied psychology in college. So that's like the textbook answer, but I'm really interested in Tibetan Buddhism. (laughs) And they have this really strange expression come over their faces. And uh, they were like, well, we we run a Tibetan Buddhist center. (laughs) And it ended up being Hector and Steven. And so they said, listen, come, the classes are free. Like, just come, come hear the Dharma. And um, I went about a week later, I went, Stephen was there. He, um, he's been running Three Jewels for about six years or seven years. And he recognized me and he said, oh, you came. I'm so happy you came. And that's where it all started. So my first uh, class there was a Dharma class. And they talk about, so in Tibetan Buddhist Dharma, meditation is just one of the tools that you use mm-hmm. on the path to enlightenment. So I sat down in this class. My mind was totally blown. It was as though someone had just started answering all of these questions that I didn't even know I had. Mm. Um, when Hector taught the four Arya truths, for example, the four noble truths, you know, life is suffering. There's a cause to suffering. If suffering's cause, there must be a way to end it. Mm-hmm. And if there's a way to end it, this is the path. Mm. And the path includes meditation. And so once someone made that connection for me, there's a way to go from this normal, depressed, anxious state of mind to a different state of mind. And the way that you do it is meditation. Then I really bought into it. And I tried... Um, I tried the practices that they were teaching at Three Jewels, 
and I saw big changes in my life. And that's really when I got to dive in. Um, the community at Three Jewels, the teachings at Three Jewels, my teacher, Hector, um, helped me understand the benefits of meditation in a way that I, I didn't really know before. Mm. Wow. That is, that is an amazing story. No, I never heard that story. That is so synchronistic. And so yeah. what would you say your life was like before you started meditating and doing yoga? <laughs> well, I, I think I had a very relatable life for many people. I, uh, I was so unhappy. Mm. And I think, you know, when I, when I listen to people talking about their spiritual life, it's usually like that. You're usually really unhappy. Usually something drastic happens. For me, it was, um, I had just graduated college. I was broke. I was, I was working two jobs trying to pay rent, and then I lost both of my jobs, mm -hmm. and um, I went through a breakup. So I had all of this free time, and I didn't know what to do with myself. So that's when I really started my inquiry. But leading up to that point, I, I was always the type of kid that had issues emotionally like I had trouble making friends mm. we moved when I was 10 and I felt even more introverted and I struggled with depression for a really long time like as long as I can possibly remember like even you know three four five years old um, I wow. remember thinking you know I'm so sad all the time I'm so sad I don't understand why and that stayed with me all through college um I was in therapy for 13 years before I was able to utilize these practices and actually get off of medication. So I was prescribed, I was prescribed a lot of medication in my life. And um, at the time that I met Hector, at the time that I met Three Jewels, uh, I sort of made this decision, this commitment in my mind um, that I wanted to experience the world as it really was unadulterated and I was taking you know Lexapro at the time and I went to Nepal with Hector mm. and I got to this point which I don't recommend to everybody but I got to this <laughs> point where I felt strong enough in my medication in my meditation practice that I was like I'm just going to stop taking these meds mm. and I threw them away I was in Kathmandu um with these people that I had just met and I actually stayed a month after they left. So for a lot of time, I was just alone wandering around, you know, 20s, early twenties. And I used my meditation practice as a way to catch my mind when I started coming off. I don't know if you've ever, um, you know, taken antidepressants and then stopped yeah. taking them. But there's a certain period of time where your mind is kind of freaking out. And then you go back to the mind that needed the meds in the first place. Mm. So I had become strong enough in my meditation practice and in my understanding of how consciousness works, which is the greatest gift that Three Jewels gave me, um, that I could catch and hold myself. Mm -hmm. and, and the basic premise, which you know, 
karma and emptiness, Mm -hmm. I learned that the way that I see myself, the way that I experience my mind doesn't have to be what I'm experiencing now. And, and the, the basic proof of that is, you know, I could look at myself in, in the mirror and have a certain experience of my face, maybe certain judgments come up or, you know, whatever that mental chatter is, but then someone else looking at me could have a completely different experience. You know, they could mm-hmm. see me as much worse than I see myself, much better than I see myself. So who's right? Mm-hmm. And, and if we're honest, you have to say everybody and nobody. Mm-hmm. And in that answer is the door out because I don't, because if it's true that I'm not the one that understand, if it's true that I, the way I'm seeing myself now is not my nature, then I can become anything. And when I heard that and I received instruction on, you know, how to cure depression, how do you cure depression, Rachel? Well, take care of other people. Mm-hmm. And, and using those practices, specifically Tonglen, which is a practice that you know, giving and receiving meditation, um, I, I was able to completely change my symptoms. Mm-hmm. It took a few years for me to be able to say, hey, you know, I haven't felt depressed in like a year or two years or three years. It took some time. But I really was able to rehabituate my mind by the way I thought, by the way I spoke, and the way that I treated people to force myself into a different experience of my reality, which was much happier, much kinder. That's amazing. That's amazing. And I can definitely relate to what you're saying and i think so many people who are listening can when when it comes to depression anxiety you know taking medication to help these things and medication has its place but there are other tools that are so powerful that can give you lasting change to transform your mind so you know, when these thoughts arise, you know what to do with them and eventually diminish those thoughts. Absolutely. So now, how would you say your relationship with depression is? I don't have one anymore. Mm. I I don't, I, 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 you know, things aren't perfect, but the framework of karma and emptiness my experience isn't definitely what i think it is my experience has no nature it's empty of a nature the reason why i experience it the way i experience it is because of the way that my mind is moving and if i can move my mind a different way by speaking thinking and acting in a different way i can shift my reality and so what i did was you know, for the past seven years that I've been practicing since I met these practices, it's given me a different context for my depression. And it's really interesting because I think when, you know, when I was younger and, and, and um, I was raised Christian and those teachings are in the Bible as well. You know, they say, treat, treat others how you'd like to be treated. You reap what you sow, all of those Mm -hmm. types of instructions that we get and every religion has them. Um, they were brought up in a new light when I started studying 
Tibetan Buddhism. And so what started happening is when my mind would say, Rachel, you're depressed right now, or I'd feel a certain sensation and my mind would label that as depression, like a sinking in my chest, a sinking in my stomach, exhaustion, lack of excitement. And my mind wanted to force me into an experience of you're depressed, you're depressed, you're depressed, you're depressed. There's a couple of ways that I worked with it. One was questioning, arguing with my own mind. Well, how do I really know? How do I know that um, this tiredness is actually depression? Um, so I started arguing with my own mind, trying to prove it wrong about itself. But, but the best and most effective thing for me, because when you're really, you know this, I think, um, and most people know this, when you're really depressed, um, it's really hard to do a lot. Like it, it's hard, sometimes it's hard to get out of bed. It's hard to get to work on time. Mm-hmm. Um, it's hard to make food. Like it's really hard. And the best thing I can do that's the most simplest is just take care of someone to Mm -hmm. do something to take care of somebody, even if it's sending a text, liking an Instagram photo, like you don't even need to get out of bed Mm -hmm. or, you know, calling a friend, talking to a friend and trying to make their life better. Because according to this Tibetan Buddhist karmic framework, Karma is just a fancy word for movement of the mind. Mm -hmm. It's just a fancy word that talks about cause and effect. If I'm experiencing a depressed mind, it means that I must have done something in the past to create that. Mm -hmm. And so what acts against that? Making other people happy. Mm -hmm. And so the moment I feel any of that coming on, I'm like, you know what? I haven't been serving others enough. It's an indication to me. It's a warning bell. And so I immediately do whatever I can to serve others. And the cool thing about that, having studied psychology, if you look at cognitive models of depression, generally people who are depressed tend to have more um, ruminating thoughts on themselves. They're constantly thinking about themselves. And um, which is true because you feel depressed and then you're like, oh, no, I'm so depressed. Oh, no, I'm this type of person that's depressed and I'm depressed because of this. The service pushes you out of thinking about yourself and overanalyzing every thought and sensation. And it also initiates a new frame of mind where I'm showing my own mind that I'm creating happiness for others. And that must have an effect for me. So I really dove into those practices because I was sick and tired of feeling the way that I felt. I was tired of running into the same problems in um, relationships, at work, internally. And once I heard this stuff, once I heard that there was a framework and a way, like there was a ladder to climb out and all you had to do was lift your right leg, lift your left leg, lift your arm. I was like, okay, I'll do it. I'll do whatever it takes. And, and it really, really, really worked. I am surprised because I didn't think it would. Wow. (laughs) But I was proven wrong. Yeah. I know the teachings are so uh, powerful and, you know, I, I just want to highlight how you spoke about, you know, doing something little, like, even if it's just sending someone a nice text or liking their picture, because I feel like everyone thinks it has to be something big, but Mm -hmm. you know, they say start with carrots and potatoes. 
start really small, you know, and we think we all have to have like this big platform, but it's really starting with the small things every day that add up and lead to bigger things. And the small things actually are big things that people just don't think they are. Absolutely. And the, um, the funny thing is, is the more we think about it, we're actually helping people all the time, but we just don't always notice it. Like if you, you know, if you're working in an office and you're contributing to a conversation or sending an email, keeping the company alive and thriving, if you have kids and you're taking care of them or you're working to keep the lights on or the internet going, or, you know, you drive a bus and you're getting, you know, hundreds of people to and from work or to and from, you know, their families every day, we're, we're all actually doing it all the time, but we're not being invited to reflect on it. And we're not being told, hey, all of that stuff that you're doing is going to have an impact on your mind. It's going to make you happy. So I think we disregard it as a society and uh, we don't have to. Yeah. Yeah, that's another really good point. You know, these teachings have taught me to take time to, you know, sit and think about and be grateful for the little things like my breath, like waking up this morning, like my kids are healthy. And, you know, like what, what else you're saying is just um, being, having a sense of gratitude for my husband going to work and his job providing and just all the people that are in the midst of that to make that happen. And then, um, you know, all of the little things I have done myself, um, being a mom. And so that's such a great point because yeah, we don't, that's one thing I always tell people is look around the world. People are always doing nice things like pay attention to when somebody opens the door for, for somebody else. How mm -hmm. nice is that? But we don't, you know, because we're so bombarded with the news and social media just projecting so much negativity that, mm -hmm. you know, our minds go there and kind of stay there. Right. Like two people could walk down the same street and notice totally different things. You know, one person could say, oh, look how beautiful and happy all those people were and the smell of the coffee being brewed and you know the sky is so blue and then the other person would say I don't know there's trash in the gutter and you know there were rats running around but it's the same street yeah so it's it's really what we bring to it and so much of it is just making the decision hey I'm gonna do this now I'm gonna try something different and if you ask if, if anyone listening to this is feeling lost or but I can't do it, it's not true. If, if we have a desire and we really ask and seek and seek and seek, it does call up the answer. So it's just about not giving up. Yeah. And being willing to try something new. Yeah. You know, it's funny that, you know, we're talking, we're getting into this, you know, when, when two people look at the same thing, because for me, I um, really like the show Handmaid's Tale. And so many people will come to me and say, how can you watch that and what they do? And I'm like, but don't you see June? Like June is this amazing woman who's like freeing women in bondage and bondage and, you know, freeing children. And like, she's such a badass. And, um, 
you know, a lot of people can't see that. They can only see like the bad things that are going on in the show. And that's what I always go to is like the emptiness of that and like how many of us are looking at the exact same show, seeing very different things. Mm -hmm. So, wow. So this was, this was really great. And I hope as people are listening, you're really expanding their minds to think about some things in their own life. So how did you finally make meditation a practice that you were able to finally do every single day? It's, it's such a good question because I feel like after seven years of try- or eight years of trying, I think I finally got it this year. Mm. So I've been, I've been meditating pretty much every day uh, for the past seven years or so. Um, you know, occasionally taking a day off if I'm too busy or having, um, you know, having a bad day or something like that. But the thing that really worked for me, and it worked for my students too, is two things. So finding a practice that is sexy to you, that you like, that you enjoy, and then making sure it's actually effective. Mm. And a lot of people think they have to just focus on the breath Mm -hmm. and they're bored and they hate it and they force themselves to do it because they think it's somehow good and they don't look forward to it and it becomes this drudging practice and again there's nothing about focusing on the breath that is either good or bad mm-hmm. but for different people they get really into different practices for me i love visualization i love them I, I get a chance to be creative i'm excited i i experience things and so i know that for me i have to find a meditation at least when i first started I really had to find a practice that excited me that I looked forward to doing every single day. Mm. And the other thing is it has to be something that's actually effective. This is my opinion as a teacher and as a practitioner that if we don't use a meditation that's actually going to change the fabric of our lives, we're only putting a Band-Aid on Mm. a much larger problem. Um, meditation is, it's like a microscope. There's all this power, but if you don't have anything on the slide that you put under the microscope, you're not going to learn anything. So if I'm focusing on the breath without a reason why I'm focusing on the breath, for example, say I sit down on my cushion and I say, you know what? I want to achieve liberation so that I can help everybody else get there so that I can help my mom get there. I can help my sister, my partner, even my dog. I'm super motivated with this fire of compassion. And I sit down and I do my breath meditation. That's going to give me very different results than just sitting out, sitting down and focusing on my breath. Mm-hmm. So it's about understanding how to contextualize it so that you start getting big results. Cause it's true. I can decrease my anxiety but then I'm relying on a meditation to decrease my anxiety. I'm not actually changing my life. And Mm -hmm. the Buddha, who certainly wasn't the first meditator, right? People were meditating long before Lord Buddha was born. Um, But he said, in so many words, 
if you can go from a depressed mind to an okay mind, you can go from okay to beyond this world. Mm. And, and it's my opinion, my very strong opinion, that if we're not using meditation to go beyond this normal realm, it's almost a waste. Um, but people need to get to what I, I needed to get from depressed to normal before I could start thinking about beyond normal. Yeah. So, so that's, um, that's about effectiveness of a practice. Um, and I would say being around people who uh, supported me in that journey was really important as well. Mm. Um, and creating a space that was conducive. So in, in, I'm actually sitting in my meditation space now. Um, I, it needs to be clean for me. It has to be very beautiful. I have candles that I love smelling and incense that I love smelling. And I only utilize those beautiful objects when I'm going into my meditation. So that was a trick that I started using to make myself more attracted to my practice so that I was more likely to do it. Mm. Yeah, that's something that, you know, Hector had told us, told us to do for a while. And I struggled with for a long time. I was like, I don't know why he's making such a big deal over having a space. I don't even have a space. And then when I did the meditation teacher training at Three Jewels in 2018, it was part of our homework. So I was like, okay, I'm finally going to do it. And I just made this little corner in my bedroom. But that's what really helped me to like, just really make it an everyday practice is like, that's my space. And it just, I wish I didn't fight it so, um, so much. I really wish I would have done it sooner. Yeah, it's so effective because I start to associate really positive memories with meditation mm -hmm. and I start getting excited and happy to sit down in front of my altar, work, work with an altar, do my water bowl practice, do my offerings, and then have a beautiful experience of meditation. But it took me a long time to actually start to crave my practice, um, especially when you're kind of working on something. If you're working with anxiety or you're working with depression, the meditation can feel really hard. So it's important to, I think it was important for me to give myself rewards as I went through, like, oh, I'm going to buy this $40 candle or something. Like, I, I really don't need a $40 candle, but if it's going to help me stick to a practice that's going to change my life, I'll do it. I love that, giving yourself some rewards. Yeah, that's great. And so I know you said that your meditation of choice is guided meditation. So is it always the same guided meditation or do you switch it up? Well, it's actually, what I said was a visualization practice. Visualization, sorry. Yep, visualization. Yeah, I, I don't love being guided because it, it, it's hard for me to concentrate in, in my own mind if it's someone else's voice. Um, but your question was, was it always a visualization practice? Well, is it always the same visualization that you do in your meditation practice? Or do oh, you do I different think. visualizations? Right. In the system that I'm studying in and practicing in, there's a series of visualizations that you learn and build on each other. So you sort of start 
small with something that charges you up on um, all of the good qualities that create a good life. So there's six main qualities that we have to develop internally in order to have a, a satisfying external life and a satisfying life in our own minds. So there's um, generosity, ethics, patience, joy, concentration, and wisdom. And so there's a visualization practice called the seven ingredients where you base, and you know this from the training, mm -hmm. but you basically start to bring visual symbols in that embody all of those things. And in your mind, you're constantly trying to grow and embody those practices. It's, it, it's, takes a little bit of time to learn. So I, I can't describe it fully here, but if people want to download, you know, we teach the full practice at Three Jewels. So I always use that preliminary visualization practice because it's had such a profound impact on my mind. But generally what I advise students who are asking that question, like what meditation should I do? And how long should I do it for? In the tradition that I'm in, it's, a, it's different because some, uh, some traditions, they'll say, this is your one meditation that you're going to do for the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. There's some traditions that do that. In this tradition, the idea is work with something for three to six months until you see results, and then you can try something else. Mm -hmm. Usually, whatever it is in your life that's bothering you is pointing you towards a certain type of meditation. And... Um, so grateful for my teachers because since I have teachers who know all of these practices, I can say, hey, you know, I'm, I'm working with this obstacle. What type of meditation would you recommend? Should I do a compassion meditation? Should I do an emptiness meditation? You know, should I do Tong Len? Should I, you know, what should I work with? And, um, and, and then once you see the results, usually you start to change. Or if it starts to get dull, if it starts to get too boring, you might want to change to another meditation, but it's so personal. And that's why finding a teacher, it doesn't need to be a guru, but just finding someone who knows more than you do is mm. so important because even if they're a couple years down the path ahead of me, they can turn around and say, yeah, you have to turn left there. Oh, there's going to be like a fallen tree in the road. You have to make sure to go around it this way. And I'm so grateful for having met people who could provide me with that advice, yeah. especially in meditation. Yeah, teacher was, you know, before I met all you guys, I dabbled in meditation, um, you know, with, with a wonderful teacher, but he wasn't a teacher like Hector. Um, and so to really have like a heart teacher that you can, you know, even though I, I live a little far from you guys, I'll text him questions and things and, and to really have that support really, really makes a difference in incorporating this in your life because it's not, you know, and every, it's not something that most Americans do. So it's, you can find yourself very lost and very alone in, in things like that. Um, you gave us so many tips, but I guess my question would be, what is one, like, one quick tip that you would say, like, this is the one thing that I would like to share with people to help them begin implementing meditation into their lives? Teacher is important. Someone who knows you, someone who knows what will work for your mind. Um, so, so finding your meditation object is number one. What am I meditating on? 
And once they have that, once someone decides, okay, I'm going to do this compassion meditation, like loving kindness is very popular right now, thanks to um, Sharon Salzberg and Jack Kornfield. Um, say I decide I'm going to do loving kindness. I've got my object, step one. I would say the next step is, this is so important, is starting small. Because people, especially when they really want to change their lives, I see students diving in and trying to sustain like an hour-long practice um, that becomes difficult and painful. Yeah. And then they get discouraged and then they don't want to meditate. And so they'll find all these reasons to avoid their, even with a half hour practice, even with a 20 minute practice, even with a 10 minute practice, I've seen that and I've experienced it myself. Like, Oh, I want to meditate because I want to become, you know, this amazing being. Like I want to become like Jesus Christ. I want to become that loving. Can I be that kind? And I get so excited about it. And I, have this tendency, you know, when I like something, I throw myself into it. I want the results. I'm motivated. But what happened to me was I was training my mind to dislike what I was doing because it was so hard. Mm. And so one of the things I did this year, because um, I wanted to sort of calibrate my practice and train myself to go a lot deeper. And the way to do that is regular sustained meditation practice. So I had to find a way to keep my mind coming back for a regular period of time every single day. So what I would suggest for that is start with, you know, if, if five minutes is hard for you, start with a minute. Yeah. If 10 minutes is hard for you, start with five minutes. You know, if you can do a 20 minute practice, like find something that's so easy that when you go over the finish line, you have the thought, oh, I could have gone a lot longer. Mm. Oh, I could have gone a lot longer when that buzzer goes off. And then every week, increase that time by just one minute. That's it. You won't even notice the difference. And then at the end of the year, if you are diligent, and if you want to, you could get to almost an hour long practice. Mm. So it's starting small, just like you said, carrots and potatoes, and then you get super strong and excited about what you're doing doesn't have to be a chore anymore. That's a good point that if you did the one minute over a year, you'd be at like an hour at the end of the year. That's such a good, I never thought about it like that. Right. Yeah. Wow. You gave us a lot of great stuff, which I knew you would because, you know, you're amazing and you take these teachings like head on all the way. I love you dearly. And so I want to thank you. And also, can you share with listeners where they can find you? Oh, yes. Um, Thank you so much for having me, by the way. I'm so grateful for this time. If you want to find me, Instagram is always the best place. So I'm at Young Dakini. That's Y-U-N-G underscore Dakini, D-A-K-I-N-I. Awesome. And they could also find you um, teaching at Three Jewels. That's right. Wednesdays at 1.30 and 6 p.m. right now. Uh, we're in the middle of the yoga teacher training, so I'm not teaching as much because I'm putting a lot of my energy into the training. But I'm at Three Jewels several days a week. You can just pop in and ask for me. I'm usually around or close to being around. And I'd love to meet anyone that's curious about these practices or about meditation in general. 
Yeah. And then also sometimes you do workshops at Maha Rose in Brooklyn, right? Yeah. A um, couple times a year, I uh, teach a four-week workshop, usually on relationships. We just finished one on um, Buddhist practice for purification, so destroying mental habits that harm us. Um, but I have also a four-week series um, on, called Deeper Relationships, which uses the practice of meditation um, and working with karma and emptiness, karma yoga, how you act in the world, how you serve others to generate the perfect partnership. We have one coming up. Um, in a few months. At Maha Rose or Three Jewels? At Maha Rose. At Maha Rose. Okay, awesome. Yeah. So I'll definitely put all those links in the show notes. So thank you so much for dropping all these wisdom bombs on us today. And I hope it really, and I believe it will really get listeners' minds moving and thinking. So thank you so much, Rachel. Thank you, Angela. Thank you for listening to Meditate on this podcast. I hope you were inspired today. If you're not a subscriber, go ahead and subscribe so you'll be notified of every story as they're shared. I would be so grateful if you left a review, rated it, and shared it with a friend. This helps bring these inspiring messages to more people in the world. And if you'd like to bring more peace and happiness into your life and you're interested in starting a meditation practice, make sure you join my free meditation challenge. You can sign up for it at meditateonthispodcast.com or there's a link in the show notes below. For daily inspiration, you can follow me on Instagram at Angela Accomando. Have a wonderful day. And remember, there's transformation through meditation. Ciao for now.